University Athletics Coverage, the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Welcome to Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Join us over the next 60 minutes as we recap last week's matchups, preview the upcoming games, make predictions, and much more. Here's your host. Welcome inside Conference USA. Andrew Rogers, Justin Zimmer here on the program. Ben Cowers behind the glass keeping us on the air and online. Two weeks of Conference USA football in the books. Another exciting week that Justin and I will go back through and recap as well as preview and pick some games in week three. Week three's got a couple of Conference USA matchups So the first of the season. We'll see a couple of teams in action, a couple of interdivision matchups as well. Justin, we'll start though with Friday's game between UTEP and Boise State. It was all Boise State as it went up 41-13 to at halftime and route to a 54-13 victory over the Miners. Yeah, Boise State, this was a very dominant performance. I think UTEP, I think there was a lot of confidence about oh, UTEP maybe, you know, now they got the problem sick, fixed. But I think as I mentioned earlier in the year, like this is probably UTEP's last win. This was, I think this is going to be sort of a you know, this was UTEP had their last winnable game about <coughs> the week before. So, again, going through two quarterbacks, Hardison, I mean, decent performance, 15 of 24, 223. But, it, once again, the ground attack, though, they, they really deployed the running backs very well, 104 yards on the ground, so, and, and 232 through the air. So, I think they had a very good gr- ground game, but just Boise State's just a very good football team. So, it's not a surprising loss, but I think UTEP kind of held their own. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it was, it was a, a fairly lopsided game, losing by 41 points. And keep in mind, too, UTEP did not uh, play with Deion Hankins, their top running back. He's been battling an injury, so they held him out of uh, competition against Boise State just to try to get him ready for conference play, knowing, hey, we've already won a couple of games. We're going on the road to a Boise State team that is relatively pretty good and is a game that we're probably not expected to win. So why play Hankins make his injury possibly worse let's pull him out so that's why uh, a08 gets an opportunity runs for about 45 yards and a couple other guys get involved i think it's a good sight to see cowling uh, joshua cowling the wide receiver finished with 112 yards and a touchdown in this game that's a bright spot hardison's the guy there at quarterback we'll see what utep's like in conference usa play because they'll have another uh, non-conference matchup they're off this week but they'll have new mexico uh, at the end of September, and then they pick up Conference USA play. They start off with Old Dominion and Southern Miss. Those are two winnable football games, I think, because Old Dominion's, we haven't seen much from them that's been really good besides a win this week that we'll talk about. And then Southern Miss is another team that's kind of disappointed us a little bit early on this season. So those are two winnable games uh, to start Conference USA play for these minors. I mean, they could be looking at bull hunting. You know, yeah. you, get, you get four wins. You know, you got to have, you know, the. Uh, the rule from last year about the you have to have six you have you just went going on a bowl with no wins with a win that's out the window so now you have to go back to having a winning record so UTEP by about mid October could be looking at, at bowl aspirations but they're gonna have to win two games late in the season and their schedule at the end of the year is not really set up for that so I, I think very tough but the other thing that could, 31 points are in the second quarter that's what blew them in because UTEP was going stride for stride with Boise State in the first in, in the beginning part of this game. Only had three one-possession football games. One of them was the Army-Western Kentucky game. We'll talk that, about that one in a little bit. But let's go to Virginia Tech, Middle Tennessee State. The Hokies defeat the Blue Raiders at home 35-14. And what was a very close football game? 14-7 to at the half. Middle Tennessee State was in this football game. A, a tough third quarter uh, really derails the Blue Raiders. They go down to three scores and then ultimately end up losing by three scores. Well, I think if you're Middle Tennessee, there's some positives that you could that you could that you could, that you could hold up with a top, you know, a top 25 team, Virginia Tech, number 19 in in the polls. But you know, I think their pass defense was pretty impressive, holding a Brock Brock Burmeister to 14 to 24 for Virginia Tech. Couple, I think, couple things they got to keep an eye on. The ground game wasn't great, uh, 66 yards. Hockman lost 14 yards on the ground, but. So if you're Middle Tennessee, it's not all positive, but I think the, I think it's one of those things where they kind of, I think they just got outplayed in the in, in in the second half, and you know by the time you know it was about four. Virginia Tech was leading by seven, well, tied, well, you know, even by seven at, at the start of the uh, at, at halftime, and they just could not come back from the ball game. So, 
I think Virginia Tech, they got a lot of things that it, Middle Tennessee's got a lot of things they need to work on. But, I mean, I think Middle Tennessee, you, you see, and, but Chase Cunningham, though, very positive performance out Chase Cunningham, 7 for 8. Yeah, a lot of that coming in the fourth quarter, 7 of 8, 76 yards and a touchdown led them to one of their two touchdown scoring drives for the Blue Raiders. Bailey Hawkman, the starting quarterback, 207, a touchdown and an interception. The ground game, as you mentioned, not much. 36 carries for a total of just 66 yards. They were able to pass the football relatively well, and uh, Marshall leads the way for Middle Tennessee State, that being Jimmy Marshall, eight catches and over 100 yards wide receiving, uh, along with Wyndham, who had a touchdown. So I think there's some bright spots to definitely take away from this loss. You weren't expected to go in there, and keeping it close there in the first half uh, really made Virginia Tech, I think, have to say, okay, we got let's go. We got to turn the table here. We got to try to change things up. And it was a very close football game throughout. Yeah, but also Virginia Tech's a tough place to play. You yeah. know, like you just talk about the entrance and the entrance of Sandman. So like when you have like that whole city of rocking, if you're an opposing team, it's very hard to kind of focus on and looking at penalties because I like to harp on penalties and and, and look at mistakes and. You know, there wasn't was not too many. They only had six penalties on the day for Middle Tennessee, and in, in that environment, with how loud it is, you'll take six penalties and only one turnover. Yeah, so, so that, that's those, not are, those bad. are two things that usually derail uh, teams, especially from Conference USA going on the road to play a ranked team. And in this case, that's a, a good reason why Middle Tennessee State kept it close for a majority of the game. Yeah. All right, we'll go to the next game. We'll we'll go to the the the, the next game where Georgia, a lot of COVID issues in, in hitting up in the week, but that didn't really affect their performance against the Blazers. Routed them, and Andrew, I told you this game was going to be big, scoring wise, over thirty points, and it was. Georgia wins fifty six to seven. Andrew, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, this was a little bit of a shocker to me. I thought UAV would be able to hang around in this football game just for a little bit, but really from the get go, it was all UGA, not UAB in this game and think about these drives for Georgia three of their first four drives okay the first drive two plays 75 yards Stetson Bennett the quarterback for Georgia found Jermaine Burton for a 73 yard touchdown UAB goes three and out next drive five plays 40 yards Bennett to the end zone again for a touchdown then UAB throws a pick Georgia punts UAB punts again Georgia gets the football back scores again another quick strike and all of a sudden you're down three scores not even to the end of the first quarter yet so it was a UAB defense that really I mean they went up against a good offense and had no response for it in this football game and on the flip side offensively didn't really have much to provide at all through the passing game 47 passing yards and three interceptions the ground game is the only thing that kept the football moving a little bit for UAB so this is a really really bad loss I mean you weren't expected again to go and beat Georgia this is a Georgia team that held Clemson to three points and Clemson's got one of the better quarterbacks in college football. So we weren't expecting UAB to go in there and score 30 points and keep this at a three-point game. But to get gashed and go down 35 nothing at the half so quickly was a little bit of a shocker to me. And I was surprised that uh, it was just this lopsided because you're talking about one of the best teams in Conference USA that's shown over the years it can compete with some quality teams. Well, I think if you're UAB, I think you, know, you have a lot of things to show in the film room. You know, you, you have a lot of things to look at. I mean, their their uh, pass defense was absolutely horrendous. Sense of Bennett had five touchdowns. You know that you know that's that's that that's not one person's fault. That's a whole unit's fault. That's a whole defensive unit's fault. So that's something that they're, that they're going to show in the film room, I think, right away. But the quarterback play, I'm going to have to harp on that three interceptions there by Tyler Johnson. That's you know that that's just giving into into the loss there. So. I mean, if you're UAB, there's nothing really positive out of this weekend. I think you kind of just have to, you kind of just have to take the pill and and, and swallow it. You look look at it this week. You know, they got they got North Texas. That's more of a winnable game. Their next tough as a their next tough opponent is Liberty on October on October 12th. Tulane's I think is an average opponent for them, so they have chances to to win ball games, but. Yeah, the Georgia games, this is just a pill they're going to have to just, just swallow and move on. Let's go to another lopsided performance. It was FAU out of Conference USA this time with the lopsided victory. It was a win for the Owls, their first of the season over Georgia Southern, 38-6. to Georgia Southern scored the first points of this football game on its opening drive, went 14 plays, 
for 95 yards in well over five and a half minutes, but the FAU defense locked down the Eagles the rest of the way. It scored 38 unanswered points in route to a huge victory at home for the Owls, and Nikosi Perry was really good. Yeah, Nikosi Perry, 19 for 27, 332 yards, four touchdowns. I think if, if you're Willie Taggart, there's a lot of positives to look at this. I think the bigger thing is, like, though Georgia Southern scored first, Florida Atlantic didn't get rattled by it. They were able to, they were able to quickly compose themselves and move on and, and really go with 38 unanswered points. So I think it's a very impressive win for, for the Owls. So I think – but then I think, you know, 118 passing yards for the defense, that's normal. So there's not too much to harp on. So I think if you're Florida Atlantic, that's a very positive win. And they'll take that very early on in the season because, I mean, they have they can get on a little win streak here. Their next three games are winnable. So this is a good start to a winning streak after the loss against Florida. A couple of notable performances here to talk about. Uh, John Mitchell, a wide receiver, he's a senior, had a couple of touchdowns in this football game. And then LaJonte Wester, uh, just a freshman, played last year, so he's a second-year freshman. And a lot of people classify that way because of the COVID year. You get an extra year, so a lot of people just reclassify and stay as a freshman. He leads the team seven catches, 124 yards, and a touchdown. That's a, that's a really solid week, and it looks like FAU's got a couple of wide receivers here for Perry to throw the football to, as well as having a pretty strong ground game that – sees Johnny Ford, a South Florida transfer, get a bulk of the carries. Remember last year, a lot of it was Malcolm Davidson, Larry McCammon third. He's back, and, and not even to mention as well, uh, James Charles, a, a five-year, fifth-year senior that's on the roster as well. He only gets three carries. So they've got a lot of guys in that backfield, but the question mark going in was wide receiver boy. Who's going to stand out? It looks like Wester and Mitchell could be those two guys there. I think that's why FAU's going to win this conference. they got the most complete team of, of anybody, and I think, you know, you, you saw – I mean, you can easily look at the stat line. You see it right there. I mean, the running back play was phenomenal. The receiving play is phenomenal. And if you have a complete team, you're going to win the conference. So, I, I, this, I think this reaffirms to me that if Florida Atlantic is going to win the East and they're, and they're going to win the conference at the end of the year. We'll see. Solid performance all around. Big victory for the Owls. Charlotte beats Gardner-Webb 38-10 to at home. The 49ers are now 2-0. and Justin, anything stand out to you about this victory? Well, I think you know. I think what stands out to me is like Charlotte was able to maintain their composure. I think you know after a top, after being a Power Five team, I think it's very. I think it's been very easy kind of for Charlotte to get complacent and kind of view Gar- Gardner Webb as a lesser opponent. They really didn't do that. I mean, they outscored him pretty well. You know, he's ten unanswered points after halftime. Uh, Reynolds another good day, ten for seventeen. The running back room. Uh, I think Charlotte for another phenomenal day by those running backs. I think you know you get you get a. Uh, 46 rushes on the day, 360 yards. So for for conference USC teams, they're going to have to play Charlotte. They're, they're going to have to have a good rush defense because Charlotte is really able to run the ball all over the place. And then, you know, receiving kind of did less of the work. But I think the rushing defense, the rushing room really stands out of me. I think that was a very productive performance. I think it put a lot of people in this conference. I noticed that if you're going to play Charlotte, you have to run. Yeah, the, the passing attack for Charlotte wasn't spectacular. Reynolds didn't have a great day because he won Conference USA Offensive Player of the Week last week. Not very good this week. I mean, 10 of 17, 103 yards, a touchdown, and two interceptions. Compare that to what he did against Duke, and it's like oh, that's that's a subpar performance, but he does the job. And uh, as you mentioned, the ground game pretty much did it for Charlotte in this victory. The 49ers 2-0, and and they'll be – uh, back in action this week as well. We'll get to those games coming up, obviously, but they'll be on the road for the first time this season. Another game, another lopsided performance in favor of a Conference USA team. Justin, UTSA 54 to nothing over Lamar as the Roadrunners were able to utilize three different quarterbacks. A bunch of different guys got in the football game to run the ball as well. Overall, a quality win here for for UTSA over Lamar. And I think if you're Jeff Taylor, I think you're very happy about that. I think you're really happy that you got multiple quarterbacks in because I think now you're kind of kind of be able to see like, like if if Frank Harris, considering his health problems, you know Josh Atkins, you know did you know had a good day, both Harris and Atkins had good days, but now you kind of have more of a security blanket if Frank Harris were to get injured. Josh Atkins, I mean, he did the job, he did what he needed to do. Eddie Lee Marburger, I mean, didn't get too many snaps, so it's kind of hard to say, you know, how much you know. Can he do, or how much you know? Can he do in the system? 
McCormick, um, seven rushes. I kind of get why you did seven rushes in this game. You didn't really want to overwhelm him, but two touchdowns on the day. So I think this week, I think this is the time now. Is you get they have a conference game this week against Middle Tennessee. I would have liked to see him get more rushes this week as a tune-up, but this past week against uh, Lamar. So I think that's the only real thing that really happened is he didn't really get a lot of rushes. So. That's the only concern, but receiving-wise, another strong performance by the receivers, and they were really able to have like a good bulk of receivers. Like the, the leading receiver was Joshua Cephas. He had six, six catches. Everyone else had single digits. There was no strong receiver. So that wide receiver room has a lot of depth where a lot of people can contribute, and it's not just one person who's going to have the bulk of the targets. What I find really interesting about this victory, Justin, it's the first-ever shutout for the Roadrunners, holding – uh, this Lamar team at no points in the football game with just a total of 122 yards, 33 passing, and 89 rushing. Those 89 rushing yards come on just two and a half per carry. So a good win for UTSA, forced a couple of turnovers as well, returned a punt for a score. I think you'll take that victory, and the Roadrunners look pretty good to start the year. They do, and I, and I think you know, even though Lamar, it's their first year in FBS, I mean, not a lot for them that they can take away from this. They're still developing into a team, but I think for UTSA, they're going to have a lot of confidence heading into this week's battle with Middle Tennessee. All right, we'll go to the next game on the on the docket on the Saturday slate, and that was the game up at West Point. The Army the Army Black Knights took on the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. One possession game, but the Army wins 38-35. to Andrew, your thoughts on this one? It was a competitive football game, a really good game. I think a lot of people heading into it didn't really know what to expect. I think we knew it was going to be a fairly close football game, and it lived up to that for the most part, I think. Uh, Bailey Zappi, 435 yards through the air, three touchdown passes. He looked good again after yet another early interception. This is back-to-back games now where Bailey Zappi has thrown opening drive interceptions. So that's, that's, a, that's a number to keep. Uh, in mind as we go on and talk about these Hilltoppers throughout the season is how he gets off to a good start or a bad start, how that affects his performance. But another good game, and listen, this is an offense that kept up with Army defensively. A different attack you had to go up against, obviously, a team that's going to run the football a lot, and, and Army did so very effectively, 339 yards on the ground for four touchdowns, were able to move the football consistently. Uh, in this game, wide receiver Jared Stearns for Western Kentucky on the other side. Uh, another good performance. We mentioned him and highlighted him last week. Nine catches this week for 171 yards and a touchdown. Or two t- t- touchdowns, actually, a long of 72. So Western's got that offense. Defensively, I don't want to take too much. I don't want to look in too much into this because it was Army, a, def- a different style. Uh, although Marshall defensively went to Navy and put up a really good performance. Western unable to do the same here, but uh, good for Western, I think, to keep this game relatively close, played well. Just a couple of turnovers, I think, make the difference in this football game. Were you pointing out what I was going to bring up about like don't like don't really over hyperanalyze this game? I think seventy-seven passing yards for Army, you know, three thirty-nine on the ground. That's not like any other team that they're going to play. So if if you're West Kentucky. The only, I think, real film you look at is the offensive film, honestly, because there's not you know, the passing film. And again, another great passing performance, not rushing performance, you know, 42 yards, but that's Army. So I think if you're West Kentucky, you kind of viewed, I don't want to say you view last week kind of like a bye week, but you can't really study too much from it. You know what I mean? Because, like, you're playing a different team yep. that, that you're not going to see the rest of the year with a different style. So it's unfortunate for Western's case you come out with a loss, but – but at the end, there's not really much you could take away from this because just the just the different style of team. One thing I do, I, I want to go back to a point I made last Wednesday about time of possession. Western did a lot better job than Army did than Marshall did with time of possession, only by two minutes though. Western yesterday on Saturday had 20 minutes and 22 seconds of time. Army had 39:38, so not balanced. But anytime you don't have anytime you. But you got to score, though, against these kind of triple option teams when you have the ball. So great performance, though, for playing against a different style team. Yeah. Yeah, I think just one quick note to make before we take a break and and finish up recapping after that. Uh, Only 42 rushing yards. But keep in mind, Western Kentucky was trailing in this football game, despite only losing by three. 
was trailing for a majority of this football game. In fact, with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter, this was a team down 35-14. Ended up coming back, back-to-back touchdown passes from Zappi. Army gets a field goal to go back up 10, and then Western gets a late touchdown with 20 seconds left to make it a three-point game. So this was a team playing from behind throughout this football game. So 42 rushing yards isn't too much of a concern, but could be a, a topic we talk about throughout the rest of the year. We'll step aside for a quick break. When we come back, we'll recap the rest of the games that happened in Week 2 of Conference USA football. You're listening to Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Hi, this is Terrence Howard. My mother was the cornerstone of our family. She shaped me as an actor, a musician, as a human being. So when she was diagnosed with colon cancer, it was like our whole family got cancer. And she died when she was only 56, so this is personal. Now hopefully my heartbreak is your wake-up call. Colorectal cancer is the second leading cancer killer, but you can prevent this disease. Screening finds precancerous polyps so that they can be removed before they turn into cancer. I've been screened. If you think that you're at an increased risk like I am, ask your doctor when to start screening. And if you're 50 or older, get screened. I don't have my mother anymore. So please, do everything that you can to stay around for yourself and for your family. Screening saves lives. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. This neighborhood sure has changed in my lifetime. You know, there was a time when people like me couldn't live here because of their race or the color of their skin. I'll never forget how I felt being told I wasn't welcome in this neighborhood, that this apartment was for whites only. That got better over time, but some people still didn't get equal treatment when it came to finding a home. Well, I own this building now. The Fair Housing Act made a difference for someone like me. It gives us the opportunity to live in communities of our choice, free from discrimination. The Fair Housing Act makes it illegal to discriminate in the renting or selling of a home because of race, color, religion, sex, national origin, familial status, or disability. If you believe you have experienced housing discrimination, contact HUD at 1-800-669-9777 or go to www.hud.gov slash fairhousing. This is CRT Championship MVP, C.J. Burks. And Burks jumps the passing lane. He's got a wide open lane to the rim, and he'll throw it down. And you are listening to the worldwide leader of Marshall University Athletics coverage, the Cutter Edge Sports Radio Network. Back inside Conference USA, Andrew Rogers, Justin Zimmer, and Ben Cower here on the program. A couple more games, about five or six games left to recap here in week two. We'll start with Houston and Rice, or we'll continue with Houston and Rice. And what was a blowout win for the Cougars over the Owls, 44-7. It was 17-7 at the half, but a 27-point second half from Houston's the difference here, shutting out Rice in that second half. I was surprised by this result. I thought we'd have a closer football game, but ultimately Houston's offense was too much. Yeah, it, it was too much. I think Rice, you know, seven points in the second quarter, but then, you know, Houston was able to, you know, really with the air right offense, kind of bring the ball down the field a lot. Luke McCaffrey, though, first time I get to say this today, abysmal performance. Nine for 19, 86 yards. He had a touchdown, so one positive with three interceptions. Pass rating of 16.8. That, you know, if you're Rice, you know, Texas, I get. Texas is a much stronger team than Rice is. Houston used to be more competitive. Houston should not run you out of your own building. I mean, the ground game did majority of the work. You know, Griffin and Brassard, 86 yards and 37 respectively, but just the passing game for Rice, that, that, that's really what did them. And they only had 86 yards passing. That's, that's just a horrendous performance. Yeah, McCaffrey definitely struggled in this football game. Uh, it was probably a big reason why Rice lost the game. Three turnovers all from him uh, with those three interceptions that ultimately did help lead Houston to some easy drives, a couple of touchdown drives, uh, fairly short drives. Although for the most part, in some of these drives, especially early in the football game, Houston put together some big drives early in the second half, a 17-play, 75-yard drive to start the second half that took up seven and a half minutes. Rice, three and out, leads to another Houston possession. They go 10 plays, 
85 yards in four and a half minutes. So at the same time, it, w- it was some mistakes, and those hurt when you're trying to make a comeback. But at the same time, it was Houston just marching down the field with ease against this Rice Owls defense that, for the most part, last season we didn't have many questions about. We knew this defense was solid and was going to make things difficult, but ultimately not able to do so in this game against Houston. So the Owls fall to 0-2, and two, losing their home opener. To another close football game, Texas State takes down FIU in overtime 23-17. to 17. Texas State scored the first 10. FIU scored the next 17 points, went up 17-10, but then a late touchdown from Texas State comes in the fourth quarter to tie the game at 17, and then it was Brock Sturgis again uh, who had the, four, he had the fourth quarter touchdown scored in overtime to lift Texas State to an upset victory over FIU at home. Well, Max Bordenschlager, 17-34, 2.59, two touchdowns. I mean, that's one positive, but, again, 50%. FIU should be very thankful for Devontae Bryce. You know, 23 carries, 111 yards, their rushing game. That really that really helped this performance not be as bad as it was for, for, for FIU. But, again, both teams kind of are they're kind of like equal level opponents, so they're not – you know, you, you, I wasn't really expecting a blowout here. I thought it was going to be a close game. 400 total yards on offense, but I think, you know, time of possession, 28 minutes, you know, almost 29 minutes. So they had the pieces in place here. I mean, this was a very good game by both sides. I just think, you know, if, if I, you, if you, if, if Bordenschlager maybe makes a couple more passes, you might as well, you, you could have had a little bit better performance, at least with the receiving end. But here, here's the set that alarms me. Florida, FIU, three, three turnovers. Yep. They lost the game because of that. Their their possession in overtime was a fumble. So, if you're going to win football games, you actually got to have good ball security. And if you lose three turnovers, you're going to lose ball games. And, 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 and if you're FIU, that's what you're going to look at at the film room. That and listen to these. Listen to this from the first half. I mentioned Texas State got the first ten points because it did. Listen to this uh, from the first half of the football game against between or between FIU and Texas State on the FIU offensive side. One drive that went more than 16 yards. They had five drives, did the Panthers, four of which did not go more than 15 yards. This drive went 10 plays, 65 yards, four and a half minutes. That was the best drive of the first half, resulted in a fumble. The other drives, three plays, negative 10 yards, four plays, 16 yards, three plays, eight yards, three plays, one yard. Slow start. Yeah. Just not enough offense. The second half, it looked good. Comes out of the gate, nine plays, 75 yards, five plays, 81 yards to get two touchdowns. But then another late fumble in the second half, five plays, 50 yards. You're marching the ball down the field, fumble. Turnovers. Turnovers bite FIU from getting off to an o and, or to a 2-0 and o start, and it's Devontae Price fumbling twice. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean he had a good game on the ground like yardage-wise, but he's got to clean up the turnovers. But also FIU? Two very difficult opponents in the next two weeks. So we'll move on from that. We'll, we'll go to the next game on, on the Saturday slate. Uh, Louisiana Tech narrowly defeats the Southeast Southeastern Louisiana Lions. Andrew, your thoughts on this? Normally, D, FBS, FCS, normally it's a blowout, but the Lions actually held held on and gave La Tech a run for their money. Yeah, I tell you what, listen to this performance from Cole Kelly, the quarterback. 44 of 59 for 495 yards. Three touchdowns. He did throw two interceptions, but Southeast Louisiana totaled up 598 yards of offense against Louisiana Tech. I'm concerned about the Bulldogs' yeah, defense I'm after this performance. Match. I mean, the offense was there. Austin Kendall gets the start, and he played well. I mean, 19 of 27, 217, and a touchdown. The ground game was solid totaling up 198 yards and three touchdowns but defensively man 42 is 42 points is a lot of points but ultimately you get the victory you try to wipe the slate but you've got a good SMU team that just put up 40 some points against a Rice team that's known for defense and has been known for that throughout the year so this is a uh, a definitely an interesting result probably the most interesting result that actually helped a conference USA team because it was a team it was a game that got a victory but uh, but this was weird. This was a weird game that I really didn't expect. I thought Louisiana Tech would come in after a good performance against Mississippi State, 
defensively looked really good in that contest uh, for the most part of that football game. Completely different story in this one. Yeah, if you're David Blackwell, the defensive coordinator, you know, you're going to be spending a lot of time in the next couple days looking at, okay, the passing the passing game. 590 yards. I'll tell you this. You don't even get that's, – that's not even a number that you, that's in the NFL every week. You let up more than if you're if you're if you're the defense you're embarrassed. This is an embarrassing performance. You won the game, which is great. I mean, okay, no, no, like the fans aren't going home disappointed, but 495 yards passing, and then 590 yards of total, 500 almost 600 yards of total offense for the Lions. Yeah. You better look at the film room because SMU is going to put up a lot of points as well. So, and if this doesn't go down, there's going to be a defensive coordinator change. So if you're right now, if you're David Blackwell, I think you got to you, you you're going to have to crack down on 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 this because this is embarrassing. This is it, I, in the NFL. Maybe this is like maybe like a very close game or like one, but that goes like double overtime, but. Five ninety-eight. That that is that a lot is, of yards. Yeah, and a lot of yards. they're gonna have to really crack down on that. I mentioned I thought it was Houston playing Louisiana Tech. It's actually SMU who will face Louisiana Tech, and that leads us into our next game: SMU defeating North Texas thirty-five to twelve in that football game. How about this though? North Texas was up six to nothing uh, at one point in this football game. It was early, but it was a late touchdown in the second quarter from quarterback Tanner. Or Dockeye for SMU makes it 7-6. The Mustangs go up 7-6 at the half. But, I mean, again, North Texas was able to hang around a touchdown drive in the third quarter, kept it at 14-12, but then three late touchdowns on a couple of big runs to help SMU in, in this victory over North Texas. But I think for the most part, we saw improvement, I think, defensively from this North Texas team. A lot of yards, but for the most part, you're in this football game, just a string of big plays down the stretch hurt the main green yeah and I, and I think that's a couple things i think you know they're still kind of a young football team it's going to take a while to kind of build that winning culture of what they want to build they bring in phil bennett as a defensive coordinator so i think this is going to take time it's not going to be an overnight thing but i mean look at halftime you know they were only down by one point you, you just it you, they just fell apart in, in the second half so this isn't as much of a rebuild job, Andrew. I think this would be a lot more of like a, we actually now have to learn about how to finish the game after halftime. Actually has to stay in the ball game and not kind of turn the switch off and after 30 minutes think it's done. But you know how much I love third down, so I'm going to go into fourth downs, actually. They went for it four times, failed on all four times. So in a close game, in some cases, you have to do it, but I think they have to be a little more wiser with that. 0-4, I mean, it costs the game, but the third downs of 4-18 and 18 also cost the game. So they got to get a lot better on those consequential downs in ball games and actually try to convert and, and, move, and try to get more first downs. But, I mean, there's a lot to say, but a lot of it needs to be dissected on film, at least if you're, at least if you're North Texas. But it's not like, okay, this, this player was in the wrong spot. It's learn how to learn how to play a sixty-minute ball game, not play thirty minutes. Uh, I think something that stands out to me from this result: Roderick Burns, another one hundred-yard receiving performance. He looked really good. Twelve catches, four hundred and forty-one yards. He seems to be the go-to guy for Jace Reuter at quarterback. And I remember that's a room trying to replace Jalen Darden, who is off to the NFL playing for the Buccaneers. Old Dominion, a big win over Hampton, forty-seven to seven. A good response. I think from the Monarchs in this football game, uh, Daryl Mack with a turnaround performance, you could say for the most part, 162 yards through the air and a touchdown, but it was really the ground game, especially Mack's ability to run the football. He had three rushing touchdowns in this game. It seems like Old Dominion's offense mainly is going to be centered around the run. I think it's going to have to. I think, you know, I think Mack's kind of like he's he's a good dual threat quarterback. He's not a good passing quarterback, and but to be a quarterback now is you have to have both skills and be able to move out of the pocket and throw the ball downfield. I mean, but running very impressive. But also, this was the one thing when I was looking at the stat line for this, Andrew. A lot of the best teams in this conference 
they're very good on the ground. Like there's not that there's not one there's not like you look at Marshall, UAB, UTSA, FAU. The 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 reason why they're good is they're very good on the they're they have very good rushing attacks. Old Dominion's not there yet, but if you start building the infrastructure that Ricky Rain I think is going to try to build of like it's going to be rush heavy, that could really put the Monarchs in a position to contend in a couple of years. I could see it. We'll see. Good win though, I think, for Old Dominion, especially against the Hampton team that you knew you probably were better than, but you don't take any team lately. You got to go in there with the same mindset, and I think Old Dominion did a pretty good job, especially getting out to a good start. Go up thirty-four nothing at half was uh, big in this football game. I think we have one, just one or two games we left two here. Games, yeah. Let's talk about the Southern Miss shutout victory over Grambling State, thirty-seven nothing for the Golden Eagles, and a similar. Uh, really way of offense I think for the Golden Eagles a lot of it's done through the ground game 290 and two scores as a unit uh rushing the football and that's obviously led by Frank Gore Jr. who had a phenomenal performance yeah phenomenal performance for Gore you know 162 one touchdown and Dejon Richard you know and the other touchdown as well but I got a concern with Southern Miss the two quarterback system they got to They got to get it. They got to get one quarterback. Well, that sure. could have been. That could have been because it was a blowout. So you probably played well, a couple of guys. Well, I'm looking at the stat line though. Ty Keys is four for eleven. Trey Lowe's ten for thirteen. Look at last week. You had two quarterbacks in. They they're gonna have to get a consistent quarterback yeah. system. You, I don't think you can go an entire year being like, okay, you're gonna do this many snaps. You're gonna do this many snaps. It, it doesn't work. You you got to have one guy. So that's the only real concern for Southern Miss is just their quarterback, just having multiple quarterbacks. like Which is offense in general, really, yeah. too. And then uh, third down's not that bad, so I'm not, I can't harp on that this week. I'm sure if – I'm certain if they, if they have a bad week next week, I'll go back and harp on it. But Slow start in this football game, too. Only we're up 10 nothing at halftime. So – you would definitely like to see a little bit better result, especially against an FCS member in Grambling State who's coming off a victory. But overall, win's a win. You try to move on from it and try to build momentum from it. Absolutely. All right, let's get to the final game on our Conference USA Slay. That was the game here in Huntington as North Carolina Central came into town and Marshall just routed them out of Jones C. Edwards City. Marshall wins 44-10. to Andrew, you were on the call of this game. Your initial thoughts? Yeah, this was a uh, game that got off to an interesting start. It was a sluggish start. It wasn't really a slow start, but more of a sluggish one with terms of how Marshall's offense operated. It was so efficient and effective, quick moving in the first game against Navy and then week two against this NC Central team that on paper coming in, Marshall's the better team. They outman and outmatch this Eagles roster, but it didn't seem that way in the first quarter. Marshall goes up 6 nothing, and then uh, some good defensive stops, a red zone interception for the Eagles. Keep them only within one score after a quarter, but then the second quarter the offense started to pick up the pace. And worth mentioning, too, in that first quarter there was some fumble, there was a fumble, some mis-exchanges in the backfield. So just the offense came out a little bit sluggish early, didn't get off to a quick start. It, it showed on the scoreboard, and then into the second quarter it woke up a little bit. A uh, big quarter, 24 points in the second quarter. And then the second half was mainly reserves. But just the sluggish start to me is really the big thing. You look at Grant Wells, 344. That's a career high in passing yards, three touchdowns. The ground game was really solid. Gamage and Keaton with good performances as well. So nothing totally stands out. It's a win. It was a sluggish win. But Marshall, again, was supposed to take care of business, and they did. Yeah, I think sloppy playing. You talk about taking care of business. I mean, Coach Huff kind of addressed that Saturday night in – in a very interesting press conference by, by a lot of head coaches after a win to kind of have a public apology. Kind of seemed yesterday, Andrew, kind of kind of seemed to backtrack a little bit from that, saying, you know, we played sloppy. But here's the thing I look at with Marshall. 700 yards total offense. And I get half of it was with, with, with reserves, but that's very impressive for this new offensive scheme to go out and put 700 yards up. If you're Marshall, I mean, you're not going to do that the rest of the season. But that's a very positive thing. Like, like, if, like, if the offense is clicking, they can put up a lot of yards against a lot of against opposing teams. Keep in mind too about that post game and, and stuff. That's 
Kuchuf's mindset trying to take this team back to where it was Close last year and yeah. closing the gap. That's his big motto. And when you try to do that, you can't come out and have sluggish performances because you come out and come sluggish to App State in a couple of weeks or against DCU. You got fourteen nothing. That might not be able to right. some a score you can overcome. And we'll talk about that. Even though Marshall runs an up tempo offense, you get on two scores, your defense can't get a couple of stops. You can find yourselves losing that football game before it even starts. I also think they got lucky because NC Central was it was horrendous. I mean the penalties. No offense. I I, I, I think I might. Uh, many years I've been watching football. I don't think I've ever seen a team get a delay a game on a kickoff. Uh, I mean lack of discipline. I mean, if you're Marshall, you have a lot to look at in the film room about how to get off to a better start. But, I mean, if you're NC Central, that that, that was just a horrendous performance, and you kind of have to get us, take the pill and swallow it. All right, that was the week in Conference USA Week 2. We'll take one final break. We come back, we'll preview and pick at Ben's Bullseye Zimmer's winner for Week 3 in Conference USA. You're listening to Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Award-winning coverage lives right here on WMUL-FM Huntington, WFGH-FM Fort Gay, and WTHM-LP Ravenswood, West Virginia. Go ahead, Swift 1-2. Sergeant Dale Beatty was wounded by a roadside bomb. Swift 1-2 in route with urgent ASAC to Mercy. ETA approximately 35 minutes. How copy? now begins the most important journey of his life. Roger Swift 1-2. From the battlefield to home. Home to some very good medicine. His family's love. They'll be staying together at one of the many Fisher Houses to help Dale get better and return to his life. Fisher House Foundation provides comfortable housing and other services to the families of wounded warriors and veterans while they receive care at military and VA hospitals. Fisher House is among the highest rated charities with 95% of donations going to help our military families in their time of greatest need. Remember those who serve and sacrifice. Fisher House, because a family's love is good medicine. Go to fisherhouse.org for more information. When it comes to cancer, what you don't know can kill you. Too many Americans over 50 haven't received potentially life-saving screenings for colon and breast cancer. That's a problem. Colon cancer is a leading cause of cancer deaths in the U.S., and breast cancer is a leading cause of cancer deaths among women. In fact, one out of every eight women will get breast cancer in her lifetime. Early detection is so important. If you're between 50 and 75, Get screened for colon cancer. The earlier colon cancer is found, the easier it is to cure. Women between 50 and 74 need to get a mammogram every two years. Screening can find breast cancer early when treatment is most effective. If you're over 50, talk to your healthcare provider about getting screened for cancer. It could save your life. For more information, visit www.cdc.gov cancer. Hi, this is Chris Hassel, play-by-play broadcaster for CBS Sports and Stadium, and you're listening to the worldwide leader of martial athletics coverage, the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Back inside Conference USA, Andrew Rogers, Justin Zimmer, and Ben Cower is behind the glass, keeping us on the air and online. It's time for Ben's bullseye. He's one for one. He lost last week. What do you got for us week three? Well, week three... I'm going to go with uh, Troy and Southern Miss. I'm taking Troy in this one. I'm, I'm going to take Troy in this one. Even though Troy Troy is projected to win this game. I'm just saying. They, they're 10-point favorites. You have them covering 10. I have them, I have them covering that 10. But every time Troy and Southern Miss play, it is a close game. It's a pretty heated rivalry. And at the same time... Troy, Troy hung with Liberty last week. They didn't win, but they hung with Liberty. And Liberty's a fairly talented program. Yeah. I, I feel like they're going to go to Southern Miss. I think Troy's going to come out the victor here. I'm, ta- I'm The bullseye of the week, Ben's bullseye, is Troy over Southern Miss. Troy will cover 10. We'll, we'll stay there. Justin, before we get your Zimmer winner, what do you like in this matchup? Well, I, th- I think Ben talked about it. I mean, Troy kind of last week against Liberty, they kind of, you know, they kind of held their own a little bit. I, I mean, I'm going to take Troy too. The uh, Southern Miss quarterback situation is not really resolved. 
And I'm, I, it, it's not really resolved. So I think right now you have two quarterbacks. Interesting to see how how will they play this weekend. You know how will Hall manage that? But again, Liberty was a top twenty-five team last year. Troy lost by eight, so they hanged with them. And then, but then again, Southern fifty-six to three. So give me Troy. Uh, when you look at the numbers heading into this matchup, two things stand out. First, Southern Miss has only allowed 46.5 rushing yards in its first two games, while Troy on the flip side has only rushed for 92 total. So I think it'll come down to can Southern Miss stop the run, force Troy to pass that it wants to do more often and limit the ground game. I'm going to take Southern Miss in this football game. Give me the Golden Eagles over Troy. Zimmer, your winner for this week. Oh, my winner for the week. Okay. Uh, I, I thought we were going to say I've been for our records, but I'm going to go oh. with the – Hold that thought. Do you want to know the records? I, know the yes, rec- I, I, meant to, I meant to preface with that. Let me turn down my mic a little bit. All right. All right. Records heading after week two. Through week two. Through week two. We're pretty close. How did we do in terms – can can you tell us how we did last week and then all time? Last week, both of you lost two games – and Wonderful. I only picked one wrong game, and oh, that wow. was my bullseye. Ben's bullseye was the only wrong. Was pick the only one. Week. It's because wow. I went out on a limb. You did for North Texas, and they I mean, failed. Me. Lost okay. last week. So total, total after exiting week two, you both Zimmer and Andrew have twenty four and four, and I am twenty three and five. Wow. All right, one game. Pretty back. close. It is tight. I'll one try to separate back. myself here in week three. Zimmer, your oh, Zimmer winner. Zimmer winner. I'm gonna go with uh, Charlotte. Um, Charlotte to win out. Charlotte to win out. Right. Georgia State's favored by four. I think Charlotte can beat Georgia State. Charlotte outright doesn't have even have to cover the four. Nope. Charlotte wins outright. There you go. We'll pick it up from there. Zimmer likes Charlotte. I'll take Georgia State. It's a road matchup for Charlotte. A, a, a shaky performance this past week against a Gardner Webb team that Charlotte should have handled. I think this is a game that. Georgia State can easily win. And think about this, though. Two blowout losses so far this season. They got blown out by Army, blown out by North Carolina. I think it'll be a different story this week. Give me Georgia State over Charlotte. I'm taking uh, I'm taking Charlotte on this one. I'm going with Justin. I like Charlotte. Charlotte hasn't done me wrong this year. They're 2-0. No. Strong offense. Reynolds coming off another solid performance. He had two picks, but four touchdowns. Over 400 yards. Georgia State, 0-2. They've been a little disappointing this year. I mean, they're going to look to bounce back, uh, but even though it's a road game for Charlotte, I feel like the 49ers have this one. All right, we're going to move up to the first game on the Saturday slide. SMU is going to take on Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech, after last week's performance, about 500, almost 600 yards allowed on offense. I'm going to go SMU. That, that defense really concerned me last week. I'm going to go. Uh, with the Mustangs. Yeah, SMU's quarterback, Tanner Murdocky, has had a really good season, 11 touchdowns to two picks in the first two games so far. I think Louisiana Tech can hang in this football game. The line is 12, and if I had a Ben's bullseye or a Zimmer's winner, I am picking La Tech to cover that 12-and-a-half, but I think ultimately SMU would win this football game just because that offense was really good. But the Bulldogs will play well in this football game and keep it close, but give me the Mustangs. Give me the Mustangs on this one. I agree with you guys. Their offense is, so far this year, is fantastic. I think they're, and considering how bad Louisiana Tech's defense was last week, I'm going to take SMU on this one. We'll stay in the non-conference section of games. There is two conference matchups between some Conference USA schools. One's our game of the week. That'll be the last one we pick. But let's go to the, let's finish off the rest of the games featuring Conference USA teams and non-conference action. FAU will host Fordham at home. FAU. FAU, I agree. FAU. Fordham is not winning that game. It's FAU. Keep in mind, Fordham coming off a three-point loss to Monmouth and a blowout loss to Nebraska, but I think it's all FAU. No, man, certainly. only three points to Monmouth. Yeah. Wow. It's going to be hot down there. I'm looking at the Aki weather. 92 that night in Boca. Ooh. Could play a factor, but Florida, yeah. FAU, Big. they're used to that. Well, FAU, mm-hmm. for Fordham, it'll, be, it'll play a factor. All right, let's go to the next non-conference game. Ricky Rain and Old Dominion, they're going to make the trip to see Hugh Freeze and Liberty. I'm going to go Liberty on this. I think Liberty, you know, they've had their 2 0 this year. Ricky Rain and his team, they played Hampton, but okay, they're, they're supposed to beat Hampton. I'm not too concerned, but they look, they look horrible against Wake Forest. I'm going to go with the, the Flames and Liberty. ODU. Oh, no, sorry. 
Take that back. Liberty. I was looking at the stats for ODU, and my mind said ODU, but I'm not picking ODU again. They wronged me week one, uh, and they're not going to win this game. They're not going into Liberty. They're not going to beat Liberty. So, Liberty for me, not ODU. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, th- three Liberties all around here. Uh, Liberty's defense has only given up just over 50 yards against the run, and that's what o- Old Dominion did really well this past week against Hampton. Uh, and I don't think Old Dominion's going to be able to run the football, and the passing attack has not been there. So give me Liberty, the Flames all over the Monarchs. FIU, Texas Tech, Big 12 action for the Panthers. What do you like? Well, I think um, I'm going to go with the Red Raiders here. I think you know, going to Jerry Land Jr., you know, it is named for uh, for Jerry's kid, uh, Ben's a Cowboys fan. Jones AT&T Stadium, right? Well, well yeah, but yeah, Jerry. Yeah, Jerry so, World. Mini Jerry World. Yeah, Jerry 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 World Junior. Jerry World Junior. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm gonna go with. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna go with Texas Tech. I think you know thirty. This can be a close game. That both teams though. FIU 32.5 points per game. Texas Tech 33. Tech has not really played that stiff a competition, so I think this game has the potential to be close. But give me the Red Raiders. Red Raiders are 20 point favorites in this. I, I I'm gonna go with Texas Tech, but I think this game is gonna be closer than people think i think i think borton schlager is going to borton schling it <laughs> no i, I, I no? really like you, you the, i really like that? that though i'm surprised nick or justin hasn't used that phrase before because <laughs> but it's because he nick, won't sling it around nick, he just nick, isn't nick capable of that well um, i mean fiu is going to get blown out in this football game i hate i hate to be rude about that but they're going to get blown out in this football well, game. coming off the lose. loss to texas state your only wins the win against Long Island. And this is a Texas Tech team that's going to put up a lot of points, put up 38 and be Houston by three scores. So give me the Red Raiders at home. That's a tough place to play for FI. You'd have to go on the road. So give me the Red Raiders in big, big fashion. All right, well, we did Troy Southern Miss. So I'm going to move to the next game all the way down. Going to be a fun night on the on the prairie as the Rice will take on the Texas Longhorns. Andrew's already shaking his head. Andrew, I got to I got to give. It's I, not going to be a fun night. Though. I got to make it sound like fun, okay? Before people get tuned off. But I'm, uh, guys, hook them, hook them horns. Uh, I have family in Texas, uh, but uh, but Texas got a very good quarterback. I'm going to go with uh, the horns. Is that who's, why who's you're choosing Texas? Who's their very good quarterback? Because Hudson Carver's their quarterback last week. He was bad. Yeah, they had a new starter. Okay. New starting quarterback. Just wanted to make certain you weren't referring to Hudson Carr. No, I'm well aware. I watch college football. I know. It's just... <laughs> but yeah, we're good. Hook em Te- horns. Texas. Texas. Texas is... I mean, Texas has some surprising losses, but they're not going to lose the rice. You got to hook em horns? I'm hooking, I'm hooking horns. Hook em. Let's keep in mind, boys, Rice only lost to Arkansas by 21, and Texas lost by 19. Are you about to say what oh, you're about to say? Oh, no. I'm going to go with the Longhorns oh, because I, okay. bet against, I bet against the Owls. I, I took the Owls last week <laughs> to beat Houston. They let me down. So until they can show me that they can beat a quality opponent, compete for four quarters, I'm going to take the Longhorns. Nick Verzellini's listening, and he will like that reference because that's his line. Show me you can do it before I can pick you. Something like that. He'll probably text you right after we're off the air. All right, let's go to the uh, Marshall ECU. We'll be on the we're, call. We're not going to pick this yes. one, and and Ben's going to be there as well. So, but so I'll, I'll start off with you, Andrew, on this because you know, you'll hear you'll hear my opinion Saturday night. What, what do you think is going to be the key to this game? It's going to be an interesting football game. I think this is Marshall's uh, first real real opportunity. I think because when you look at a Navy team, they're going to run the football, so you're not going to see much balance offensively defensively the midshipmen struggled nc central uh obviously definitely a lower competition football game for marshall this is going to be your first game where you've got a team coming in that can throw the football can run the football an experienced defense and an experienced quarterback in holton Aller. so tough matchup don't look at the zero and two record though for these pirates because they lost to app state and south carolina in fact almost won that South Carolina game, coming down to a game-winning field goal for the Gamecocks. So give me, uh, in this matchup, look for Marshall's ground game, see how that pays out, because Marshall really hasn't run the football too well in the first two weeks, numbers-wise, 172 yards, but against Navy, it was a lot of just running it in the red zone to get touchdowns. So interested to see how the ground game is effective against this ECU defense. Uh, I don't know if Cal wants to get in or because I mean, I'll, I'll, let him get involved. Yeah, yeah, I'm going five to. Minutes. I'm going to. I feel like the key to this game is going to be defense, because 
ECU ECU has has an experienced defense, but offensively, I mean, they're not really that good. But if Marshall can just, you know, our defense was our not our defense was on point this past weekend, and if they can repeat that performance versus ECU, which is entirely possible, you know, shut them down. You know, they can't put any points on the board. They're not going to win. All right, I'll join in on this as well. Uh, and, and I'll kind of tease what, I, what, what I'm going to say Saturday night on air. I think when you talk about East Carolina, Andrew brought it up. App State was a blowout. But South Carolina against a Power 5 team, to only hold them to 20 points is pretty impressive. So if, if you're Marshall, we all know Wells is turnover happy. I'll say it. He's turn, I think almost every game this year, so far the three games, the two games this year he's thrown a pick. That turnover in this game could be costly. He's going to actually have to not throw turnovers. Can he do it for, for 60 minutes? We'll see. But also, the other thing, ECU's, ECU only has allowed 18 points. They have 18 points per game this year. If they want to beat Marshall, they're really going to have to up the points. They're going to have to, they're going to, have to score more frequently. Yeah, more score. Up. Yep. So, I'll save the rest for Saturday night. But but uh, they've allowed 26.5 per game, so they're going to have to hold Marshall's offense the bare minimum all right to the conference usa games here about the final four minutes this is not our game of the week but it's going to certainly be a good football game middle tennessee state on the road to go face utsa ben start us off here what do you think this game i like utsa i'm going i'm going with uh utsa on this one they have a i like their offense i like their offense i feel like offense is going to win this game and utsa has the better offense of the two teams uh, and they're at home, too. 2-0, UTSA over MTSU. Well, I've been generous now to give um, Middle Tennessee another win against UConn. So I'm going to up their wins to two. But I'm going to go UTSA. UTSA will win this game. I like McCormick a lot. I think McCormick's going to get a lot more carries against, against uh, Middle Tennessee. So give me UTSA big. You're this such is- a tease. You add a win to the win list, but you're not going to tell us? Okay. I didn't, no, I said UConn. Oh, okay. I, I, right. said, I said Connecticut. Okay. Same matchup as a year ago. This was two teams that met in the Alamo Dome last year. And it was a good game. It was a good game. Year. 37-35. The Roadrunners were just able to hang on and beat the Blue Raiders. But that was a game where Frank Harris got hurt. I think Frank Harris will hopefully stay in this football game uh, and he'll be effective. Plus, that was obviously Asher O'Hara at quarterback for the Blue Raiders. Give me the Roadrunners big at home. The Roadrunners will be 3-0. and To the game of the week. UAB, North Texas, the line is set for 12 points. The Blazers are going on the road to face the Mean Green, a West Division matchup here to wrap up our Week 3 slate. Justin, start us off. What are you thinking here? I'm going to go UAB. I think UAB is going to have a bounce-back week from Georgia. I think Georgia It's kind of hard to evaluate because Georgia is a lot stronger of an opponent, opponent than North Texas is going to be and any other opponent UAB is going to play this year. I think UAB has a very big, ba- good bounce-back game, but... Tyler Johnson's going to be the key. He's got he's going to have to have a good performance and not try to get in his head about what happened last week at, at between the hedges. So I'm going to go UAB. If Tyler Johnson, I'm going to go with Zimmer on this one. I, I if Johnson can keep it together, I mean obviously UAB was not going to be Georgia, but a strong team going up against North Texas who lost pretty big last week. I mean they they hung with SMU right yeah, until they the, hung with right, until, right until the fourth and then they dropped off, but. I don't see uh, – even though it's it's in North Texas, I, I still see UAB winning this game. UAB. I think the North Texas mean green defense has improved a little bit. Gave up 35 last week, but it came late in the football game and, and held their own for the most part. But I think UAB will do enough. If North Texas is going to get the upset, though, it'll be because UAB turns the football over more. If North Texas can force turnovers, give good field position, they've got a good enough offense that can compete – with a good UAB defense. That's what it's going to come down to. Can North Texas defend and force havoc in the UAB backfield? Johnson's going to have to get off to a good start. That's what's going to be key in this game. All right, so that does it for Inside Conference USA, the Week 3 edition. We'll preview Week 4 next week and recap Week 3. For Ben Cower, Justin Zimmer, I'm Andrew Rogers. Sports Buzz is next.
thank you for listening to Inside Conference USA on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network. Tune in again next Wednesday at 5.30 for another episode.